Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christian. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. Hey, doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing well. Uh, we have functioning internet today, which is huge. That's always very important when you're doing a podcast remotely. You and I have been in different states for the last month and a half. Uh, so it is very essential to have functioning internet for sure. Yeah, uh, that's why we call ourselves. Uh, that's why we say we're talking baseball kind of whenever, because you know, you never know when something's going to pop up. And luckily there wasn't too much baseball action yesterday outside of maybe uh, Padres, Dodgers, and the longest game of the year, apparently. Yeah. With Twins Reds. Twins but, Reds. Um, but, uh, we're still pretty much recapping the the weekend and, and other things going on in the baseball world today. Um, what do we what do we want to get into first? Uh well there's been a lot that's happened certainly. Um I don't know, what do we want to get into first? There's a lot. Um I, I think chronologically we could just get into uh this happened before our last episode but uh baseball reference yep updated their updated their uh the negro league stats and they have you know wins above replacement for these for these guys and you know ops ops plus era plus uh, all that uh, for these guys and it's much more organized and I, I, it seems pretty realistic what what happened. <clears throat> they had, you know, they they had a lot shorter of seasons. So uh, now they're <clears throat> now Negro League players are kind of topping some of these uh, rate statistics. Uh, like, uh, and there's some there's some pretty fun pretty fun stats out there uh, with the Negro Leagues. So first of all, uh, Totello Vargas a single season record 471 at age 37 and then he just stopped playing wow he <laughs> went out on top he just retired <laughs> he hit 471 in like 30 games and then uh and you know obviously that qualified because it was they were wow. pretty... when was the last time how many plate appearances did he have um i think like 150 maybe okay let me i want to check like like I know that it is a small sample size, but 471 is like a lot. Right, right. So 30 games, 150 plate appearances, and a 471 batting average. Let's he see. He had uh, 130, 136 plate appearances. 130. Okay. So we'll go. We'll set the minimum at 135. Yeah, 471 Just average. Completely cherry pick. 1116 <laughs> OPS, 200 OPS plus. Yeah, uh, it was that one I f- probably found the most fascinating because he just apparently he just, just retired. Yeah. <laughs> went out on top. Yeah, uh, and yeah, it's weird. Like 
you know, I think some things were recorded and some were not because on his baseball reference page, he starts in his age 21 season, uh, then he misses his age 22, and then he plays his age 23 season. And then from 1929 to 1941, he doesn't play. Uh, I'm guessing he just wasn't in a particular a particular professional league where they were recording this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then comes back for age 35 through 37 seasons. And then, uh, and then wins the batting title in his last season ever. That's yeah. right. What a, what a career. Uh, Josh Gibson had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight qualifying seasons with a 200 OPS plus. He also had a 215 career OPS plus which is insanity. Yeah. yeah um, he has the most seasons ever with a 1400 OPS or better now. Uh, so that's something to pay attention to. You know, the craziest thing uh, in, in 1943, he played 69 games, which is right around, you know, where we're at in the season right now. Uh, he had 6.3 B war. Wow. Yeah. No that's one's the- even close to that right now. Right, and this actually makes me think back, like, to uh, our uh, all-time draft, and mm-hmm. especially with these stats now, Josh Gibson was a, a very good pick by I think I think Nico. Nico, Nico Nico took him. Yeah, the only problem was if if we actually put these teams together, he also had Ty Cobb on his team, and he yeah. had Cap Anson. He had Ty Cobb and yeah, he had Cap Anson, who was yeah. probably more of an issue. Okay, yeah. <laughs> It was, uh, yeah, yeah. It was funny. We pointed that out uh, on the show. Yeah, that would have been a that would have been an issue. But we would have had to. I mean, I don't know. I we would have had to like have suspended Ty Cobb and Cap Anson from the team somehow, if if unless they change their ways. Because I mean, clearly we can't just take Josh Gibson out of that lineup. Yeah, definitely not. He had a better OPS and OPS plus than than both of them. Yeah. Uh, Satchel. He had a better, I'm pretty sure he had a better OPS plus than Babe Ruth. Uh, yeah, you'd, yeah, I, I guess yeah. Now, well, I, I don't know if he's qualified wow. all time, but he does. There have is, to... so there has been outside of outside of that one season, there has been one span in Major League history where a guy had a 471 average in 30 games, uh, with over 135 plate appearances, and it was Naplejoie in 1901. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Shout out to my uh, all-time team. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I picked him at second base. He's also one of my favorite players of all time. He slashed 472, 518, 768, 1286 uh, from April 26th to June 1st of 1901. Yeah, he was – I think he was still with Philadelphia at that point. Yeah. That was no. That was before he played for the Naps because he his first year with the with the Broncos was I believe nineteen o two. Yep. Yep. And then in nineteen o three, they were like, "This guy is so good, we're gonna name the team after him." Yep. After one season of playing in Cleveland. Right. And the second he left, they were like, "Well, now we got to be the Indians." <laughs> yeah. And then a hundred, you know, whatever it is, years later, they're like, "We well, got to change this now." Yeah, it had a it had a run. They did have a run. Yeah. I mean, let's not forget, like, Napa literally was the franchise for, like, 12 years. 
and here's the here's the thing is uh you know i've when i went back on it for our uh for a class that we did we did blogs that's right and uh i did a blog about the top 10 dead ball era team names and i you know there's napoles walk came up the cleveland naps were number four on the list uh and I looked back and Napoleon is still the wins above replacement leader for that in organization. So he's still mm-hmm. the franchise, honestly. Yeah. So yeah, let's he is. Bring it back. He's the best bring player. Bring back the maps. Yeah. He's the best like, player I will, in franchise history. I might adopt the Cleveland Naps as my favorite team if they renamed them the Naps. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't know what they're lo- like. Just have the seed as you, per usual. Yeah, just you don't even need to cha- you don't even need to change anything in the team store, except you you know you just got to change the name. You don't have to change the logo. Just just keep it as the C. Yeah, and I'm thinking of the, like the old the old style um like old style lettering on the front, and it's just N A P S. Yep. It's symmetrical. It's great. My uh my Diamond Dynasty team in MLB The Show is the Cleveland Naps. Yeah, it's great. Like you need. By the way. Uh, during this during this stretch, Napoljois, you know, 471, 472 average, uh, 30 games, one strikeout. Yeah. He struck out <laughs> once, and he walked uh, eight times in 30 games, which isn't very much. Uh, but, you know, that's how it was in 1901. Yeah, if, if you just got a strike first pitch, you were... Yeah, he, was, uh, he was 59 for 125 with 16 doubles, six triples, and three home runs. Wow. But yeah, we're in love with the Naps. We named our intramural softball team after the Cleveland Naps. Champions. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and it led us to a championship. Yeah. We are, und- we are, we've never lost uh, in a season as the Cleveland Naps. That is just a fact. Yeah. Never, never not been champions. Yeah, I mean, if the, if the, if the Cleveland baseball club would like to actually consider a team that is proven to win championships in the modern day, yeah, bring bring back the naps. This is the number one. This is probably the number one Cleveland Naps program. Yeah, the the pro nap uh, mm-hmm. program. Yeah, yeah. I mean, For like sure. no one no one praises Napoljois as much as we do. No, and you know, I, he should he should be more appreciated. I mean, just what a absolutely what a what a player, and I don't think a lot of controversy around him. That Nothing I, reported. Yeah. Yeah. Innocent until proven guilty, right? Exactly. And yeah. he was from Rhode Island, which is like, you know, known for being a more tolerable place. Yeah, right? especially in that time. Well, like, he was born in 1874, but, so it wasn't like, necessarily. Actually, it was post-Civil War. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Especially in that time it, compared to other places. Exactly. Yeah, when you look at like his, his OP, it's like it's like OPS plus. It's like you got to account for the era that he was in. Yeah, ex- yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's a that's a perfect analogy. Yeah, but uh, going back to so last uh, Negro League. Yeah. Uh, stat I'm, to look at you pointed out Satchel Page, one year mm-hmm. had a 464 ERA plus. Yep. Uh, so in the leaders, there's one guy who's ahead of him, but like when I look at it, he shouldn't qualify. Um, I forget. Uh, I already forget the guy's name. Uh, you just got to look up qualifying seasons with the 400 ERA plus and you'll find it. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to uh, leaders, single season leaders for 
adjusted okay adjusted era plus um yeah it's not satchel page it's eugene bremer who had a 633 he had a 633 era plus in his rookie year at the age of 20 uh in 50 and two-thirds innings pitched however the team he played for the cincinnati tigers were 35 18 and one which is 54 games he had 50 and two-thirds innings pitched that's not qualifying qualifying season is one inning pitched per uh game per per team game played mm -hmm. so i think satchel page still deserves that that crown and satchel um, page did it in 87 and two-thirds innings pitched yeah one thing i'd also want to point out i don't know if you saw this yesterday chris but during jacob Degrom's start uh sny put like a graphic for for they actually referenced era plus on a broadcast um and they showed like you know, like Pedro Martinez had the greatest ERA plus in a single, in like a full season with a 290 in 2002 or in 2000. And then for like the, and then for like the in general best qualifying ERA plus for a starter, they put Trevor Bauer last year at 292. Why didn't they put Satchel Page? Like it's still, it's, it's a major league season. Yeah. I right? wonder when that stat was, uh, when that stat line was created because it would have been true, like, five days ago yeah <laughs> i think well because i mean not true now because obviously jacob Degrom yesterday i don't know what it is now but yesterday he had a uh a 724 era plus and bauer like bauer didn't pitch as many innings as page did in 1944 um yeah no like yeah. he made 14 <laughs> starts pitched 87 innings his team played more than 87 or less than 87 games so that is a qualifying season had an an 072 ERA for a 464 ERA plus. Uh, also had 8.7 strikeouts per nine, which uh, led the major led the majors, because obviously that wasn't you know uh, as prominent back then. He also had 85 strikeouts, which led the majors, or uh, or it led his league. It's not an it's not an italic, so it didn't lead the majors, uh, but it led the Negro leagues. Um, this might be legend or a story but i'm i think satchel page might have had one inning where he called the fielders to get off the fields and just have him and his catcher and struck <laughs> people out what a legend I, I believe it he had a well i mean he had a career 7.6 strikeouts per nine which is like above the league average and in 1934 he had 9.4 strikeouts per nine uh, in 145 innings pitched with a one nine three fifth. Nice. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at a history.com article. Um, try, it says 10 things you may not know about Satchel Page. Um, trying to think. Page was famous for his on field tactics. I don't know if this would include that. Um, <clears throat> Along with being a first-rate pitcher, Page was also a consummate showman who revealed, who reveled in slapstick humor and trick plays. Fans fell in love with his windmill windups, relentless trash talk, and leisurely strolls to the mound, and were especially taken by his penchant showboating. One of his favorite moves is to call in his outfielders and single-handedly strike out the other side. 
According to Page, an even more famous stunt came during the Negro League World Series in 1942, when he intentionally walked two batters so that he could face power hitter Josh Gibson with the bases loaded. After taunting Gibson and warning him about where he intended to place each throw, Page struck him out on three pitches. So, wow. Do we have game logs for that for that World Series? I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't think, think we so. do, but we do know that uh, Satchel Paige in the 1942 World Series uh, went went two and zero with a 2.2 ERA and 18 strikeouts in 16 and a third innings pitched with four walks. But it does, but it says zero intentional walks. Maybe it wasn't like the traditional intentional walk. Maybe he just pitched around two people. Yeah, you or know? maybe maybe he did it accidentally and then claimed it was intentional yeah. later on. It could have been that. But either uh, way walking two guys to get to josh gibson is pretty nuts yeah <laughs> like normally you walk away yeah that's that is very funny like normally you do the opposite do you do you do everything at all costs to avoid josh gibson yeah that would be so it's cool awesome. if, if um if like actual players did that today like yeah if, whoever's in front of otani right now it's like well i mean yeah imagine like the angels lineup it's like it's like, nah, let me intentionally, like, it's, imagine, like, someone's facing the Angels, like, in the playoffs or something, and it's, like, it's, like, 9-1-2 is due up with it being, like, I don't know, like, David Fletcher, or no, it's, like, Luis Renjifo at 9, David Fletcher at 1, and then Trout Otani, and imagine the pitchers, like, bring me them. <laughs> yeah, it would be, it would be so, like, that would make, that would be so, like, good for the game, but I don't think yeah. it would work out well for the pitcher. No. <laughs> The also, who in there? Imagine like Jacob Degrom doing that. Like, imagine Angels Mets World Series, Jacob Degrom. Yeah, that's the only guy I would really trust with that. I think that'd be amazing. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. So shout out, yeah, shout out to Satchel Page. Uh, what a yeah. legend. I mean, listen, Chris and I will never pass up the opportunity to look at more stats, and that's what Baseball Reference has given us. Yeah, yeah, we are. League. We're uh, grateful for that. Yeah. Especially, especially the stats this ridiculous. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like they added stats where no one really excelled. There were, there were some excellent seasons happening, happening in the Negro leagues. Yeah, I think Josh Gibson now has like the three best OPS plus seasons of all time, or something like that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, things look a lot different when you go to those leaders. You know, uh, it's. Yeah, the you got you got to go a little down more before you get to Fred Dunlap. Yeah, exactly. Was the, that's exactly who I was going to point out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like now it's Gibson, now it's Gibson Ruth or Gibson Bonds Dunlap Ruth mm-hmm. is who you have to get by uh, for for Fred Dunlap's legendary eighteen eighty four. Um. But, uh, I mean, if we're gonna like, if we're gonna be counting the Union Association, like, there's no reason we can't have the Negro Leagues like fully in right. here. Yeah, yeah. For those unaware, Union Association, basically, what happened was this millionaire from St. Louis uh, just created a, a another major league, and then he, and then he created his own team from St. Louis and took pretty much all the best players. So Fred du- and uh, I think the five leaders in ERA were all on the St. Louis Maroons or five of the top seven. So Fred Dunlap had to 
didn't have to face any of the best pitchers pretty much. So he just had a, and he was pretty, he was pretty good. In the and net. he was also on the St. Louis Maroons, mind you. Yeah. He was on the, he was on the Maroons with those five uh, really good pitchers. And uh, so he didn't have to face that great of competition. And he was pretty good in the national league before that, but not amazing. And then he had a 256 OPS plus in the union association. Um, and that, but then went back to the national league and I don't think he got it above 123 again. Uh, 128. He did have a 128 in 1886 with the Detroit Wolverines in uh, 51 games played. So not, not qualifying. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's half of what he got in 1884. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh. He just went off that year. Yeah. He had a 7.9 wins above replacement. He never had another season above 4.5. Yeah, and he like, you know, seven point nine in, I think a hundred twelve games or hundred fifteen games or something like that. For the record, uh, the the eighteen eighty four St. Louis Maroons went ninety four nineteen and one. Right. Yeah, they started twenty and zero. They did. They started twenty and zero, and I think they they, they lost to Boston. Uh, they might have had like multiple twenty game win streaks, but I don't think that happened but they started 20-0 if you want to read more about the union association go to my old uh blog that i had for class the deadballdigest.wordpress.com let's go because fred uh, dunlap fred dunlap also pitched uh a two-thirds of an inning and had a 1350 era so i mean i'm glad he stuck to batting you're right yeah, I don't know why you're throwing in your best pitcher or, or your best yeah. pitcher for position. I mean, you got you got Billy Taylor on the mound. Why do you need Fred Dunlap? Yeah, and it like if you're gonna have a position player pitching, why is it your best player? Mike, I don't know. We're never gonna see Mike Trout on the mound. Remember what? Remember when Jose Canseco pitched? Remember what happened? Uh, actually, no. Uh, Jose Canseco pitched once and he got hurt. Yeah, it was like a. I think he like. It was like a pretty serious injury. Yeah, we can't be having that happen. It's not it's not a uh, Stevie Wilkerson up there. It's Fred Dunlap, no. the face of the franchise. Yeah, Jose had torn a ligament in his elbow and would need Tommy John type surgery. Oh my god. Yep. After he just pitched a random inning in a blowout. Yeah, the, the, the 1884 St. Louis Maroons, as a team, had a 1.96 ERA. Yeah. I, well, that league, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the league average OPS was 588. and they, uh, they had a 155 ERA plus as a team. Yeah, they were extremely. Ridiculous. Uh, they also had a 139 OPS plus. Yeah. Which most of that was probably carried by Dunlap. Yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it, but they had a pretty consistent uh, lineup. They because that guy, uh, I forget the name, just took all the best players. Mm-hmm. It was pretty funny, and obviously, obviously that league only lasted for one year because it was not sustainable. Um, and yeah, it was like it was like the XFL of Major League Baseball, but it lasted. It went. Uh, it had happened 150 something years ago. Yeah, and it's if if four teams just folded in the middle of the season. Yeah. And uh, then yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's what probably happened. my 
my favorite thing is that Ted Sullivan managed the team. He started out 28-3. and Shout out to the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, then he just stopped, and Fred Dunlap took over for the rest of the season and went 66-16-1. or 66, 16 and one. The, yeah, team was, the team was 28-3. and three. They were like, we need a new manager. Yeah, we've lost... We've lost three of our last 11. <laughs> That's not okay. This is terrible. This is not a good pace to be on. We're only on pace to have like a 650 winning percentage. Right. Um, all right. What else? Do, what, what do we got? want to get into next? Wander Franco? Yeah, let's get into Wander Franco. He is making his major league debut tonight. That's going to be fun. Yeah, he's been the number one prospect in baseball since mid-2019, so this is huge. Uh, the biggest thing that um, I'm trying to find, there's another one. Doesn't he have a brother that's also Wander Franco? Pretty sure he does. I wouldn't be surprised. I, th- I think there were multiple Rugnetto doors. Yep, that's true. Oh, there he is. Here he is, Wander Franco. Uh, he was born on March 1st, 2001, which makes me feel incredibly guilty because he was pre-2018 he was ranked as the 96th best prospect that was after his age 17 season um yeah. he's been doing it in the minors this year uh he is slat with with the durham bulls he is slashing 315 376 586 for a 954 ops that's a 586 slugging percentage as a shortstop yeah yeah um, um so i mean no doubt yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I'm trying to find. Yeah, I'm trying to uh, find stuff. Yeah, 954 OPS this year. Uh, I should go to. I should go to his grades on uh, the MLB.com. I can tell you this: he is he was ranked uh, pre 2020 and 2021. He was the ranked of the number one prospect in the league from Baseball America, Major League Baseball, and Baseball Prospectus. Yeah, those three, no, don't, those uh, three don't always agree on everything, and all three of them were like, for two years in a row, they were like, this is the guy. Yeah, no disagreements whatsoever. Yeah. Yes, just one of these guys that was, you know, signed to the, out of the Dominican Republic when he was 16. Uh-huh. So, yeah, his uh, the, the scouting grades, so they have the 20 to 80 grading scale. His hit is 80. Uh, so that's that's his biggest strength. And then run is 55, field is 50, power is 60, and arm is 55, and his overall is 70. So I'm thinking of like what a comp might be. Uh, I don't it, like a maybe like a well, he's a switch, maybe like a Lindor, like he's a shortstop who can hit really well, and he he's a switch hitter. Yeah, I think he might be able to be like a better version of of Lindor if he fills out his potential. Yeah. Like, uh, or Lindor with like not quite as good at fielding, but better offense. Yeah. Like that could be it. More slugging specifically, I think. Yeah, but I, I don't know. His, uh, they say 80 for hit and 60 for power. So Mm -hmm. he seems to be someone that's probably going to rely on getting on base more. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily compare him to like Fernando Tatis, who's more of a power guy. So yeah, uh, maybe... I think Lindor is the best option. Right. Yeah. Like switch hitting shortstop. Yeah. Hit very well. Probably a better yeah. hitter. 
Um, better hitter, not a, not as good a defender. Exactly. But I mean, even then, like Lindor's a you know a two-time Gold Glover and a Platinum Glove. Like, there's no shame in not being as good defensively as him, especially at in your age 20 season. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like. Yeah. So he's gonna he he was brought up uh after the Rays have lost what six straight. Mm-hmm. They're gonna um, be playing the Red Sox tonight. Yeah. He's gonna they're... be facing Eduardo Rodriguez, so we're gonna see him as a righty before we see him as a lefty. Yeah, he's gonna be facing off against the AL East leading Boston Red Sox, established right. nineteen oh one. Uh yeah. Yeah, he's gonna be facing them. Yeah, good for good for us. You know, they just decided to bring up this guy uh, right right when we right when we're. Do you think? Up. Uh, do you think he could still be in the Rookie of the Year race? Because I don't know, like who who are the big AL rookies? I think right now, like Adolis Garcia, but he's kind of slow. Yeah, down. but he's kind of slow. But I think everyone projected that would happen because he's his like during his big month of May, his like. Uh, his strikeout to walk percentage was like really bad. Yeah, I mean, I could see a Jordan Alvarez situation happening where mm-hmm. no one's really sticking out, and then you know you just have a monster half a year. Or you know, if Franco is an everyday player, he'll be at around ninety games. So yeah, it, I think Alvarez had like eighty-seven games when he won it. Yeah, um, but. I, he'll he'll have to do a lot. I don't know if I don't know if he'll pass like Adolis Garcia. Adolis Garcia is probably number one right now. Uh, he is one point seven F four, which leads all rookie position players. Uh, let me see pitchers. Uh, oh, Trevor Rogers, yeah. Uh, That's National League. Uh, who leads the National League rookies and position players? No, Tre. No, Trevor Rogers. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. It's National League. The number one AL rookie pitcher is is Dane Dunning with a 1.4 wins above replacement. Nice. Great. Yeah. Um uh okay. So yeah, I mean I certain by the way, uh little little programming thing. If anyone would like some extra commentary on uh Wander Franco's debut, I believe I'm going to be on a stream uh with Diamond Digest. Um that I will be that I will be uh, doing. There we go. Yeah. Nice. I believe that's going to be a thing. The link should be in my Twitter account at Daniel underscore Curran. Um, and yeah, I'll be ready to go. Yeah, I'll be I watching see, it live with some with they, my colleagues. They do some of those things, so yeah, you're. Mm-hmm. It was due to happen. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know what to expect uh, with with Wander Franco because he's always been. He's always been number one uh, prospect, but he's never had like in like the insane crazy stats like when Vladdy Jr. hit 400 in the minors that mm-hmm. one. So like, I don't know uh, if he's gonna just break out immediately, but he should just he should be above what the Rays shortstops were getting, and we talked about this with uh, Kyle. Was you know when uh, we were talking about yeah. A, a potential prospect that could put a team over the edge maybe. And I suggested Wander Franco as like the obvious choice. And I talked about how at the time the raised shortstops were 27th out of 30 in F4. Um, so Franco probably will put them, 
put them above. He, he will put them in a better situation than they were before. That's right. Also, if anyone is curious, uh, as a left-hander this season, or as a right-hander this season, he is slashing 304, 350, 571 for a 921 OPS, uh, which is excellent, but it's actually not even as good as his, uh, his stats as a lefty facing a righty, where he's slashing 330, 386, 612, 998. Yeah, and, uh, also, also, he's been particularly great over his last 17 games, uh, where he's slashing 371, 405, 686, 1091. Oh wow! Yeah, he needed to be called Wait. up. Wow! My, this this might be my favorite thing. There's a stat uh, versus older pitchers, and it's literally just the same as his normal stats. Oh, nice! So older, as in older than March first, two thousand one, which is most people. Believe it or not, yeah, he has one seventy seven total plate appearances, and all of them are against pitchers that are older than him. And that's just in the minors. And obviously, he's going to be the youngest player in the majors. He's probably the first player. Uh, Chris, would he be the first player that's older than you? Uh, or that you're, old, that you're older than? Uh, yeah, I think, I think so. Probably. I think I may have got how many, like, how can I check, like, the youngest? Might have been someone younger than, or that I was older than, like, at one point. They have them in, they have them in like, the leaders uh, index. But uh, if I go like year by year top tens or something, I think they have that yeah. in like an alternative category. There was yeah. like a random Blue Jays pitcher in 2019 who was like the first 2000s pit, like player. Um, but he was born in February, and I was he was a little bit older than me. Each both of the youngest players this year, according to Baseball Reference, are both 21. Luis Garcia of the nationals and Luis Patino. Oh. So, okay. Wander Franco. Yeah. He'll be the first guy, uh, younger than me to be in the MLB. Wow. Fun. <laughs> fun. That's, that's, that's fun. Yeah. Um, Luis Garcia of the nationals. Yeah. Um, so that would not be the Astros one. Of course I clicked on the Astros one because I completely guessed which of the Luis Garcia's I was going with. Um, yeah, now I'm very curious. I want to see if, if anyone was born after me out of these people. Uh, Luis Garcia of the Nationals was born May 16th, 2000. He was born days before I was. And then who yeah. was the other one? Oh, Luis, Luis Patino. Yeah. Luis Patino was born October 26, 1999. Yeah, no. Um, so yeah, Wander Franco is going to be the first player that I am older than. Yep. Yep. So wow. the, the, uh, yeah, gears are turning. It's He's going the- quickly. Like I remember a few years ago when Ozzy Albies was the first player that was born in 1997. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it was yesterday. Now we're into 2001. Yeah. There's, I think there's very few player. I, I wonder who the first guy born in. 2000 was um now that uh I- there was a guy for, I, I said there was a uh there was like a random blue jays pitcher in 2019 oh okay and so, i so it was, i don't remember who it was yeah <laughs> That's but i don't think he's like pitched since in the majors um we'll yeah. just do that to guys like if they don't yeah okay elvis elvis luciano was born 
uh, February 15th, 2000. And in two, 2019, he pitched 33 and two-thirds innings for the Blue Jays. Uh, in 25 games, actually, he had a 535 ERA with a 556 FIP. Um, I wonder if he is currently in the minors. Yes, he is. He is in he is in Double A New Hampshire. He is a 4.11 ERA there, and he was the first 2000s player. Yeah. Yeah. Elvis Luciano from the Blue Jays. Teams will just do that if if they don't care about service time with a particular guy, they'll just exactly bring him up oddly early. I think the Red Sox did that with Jonathan Arauz. Mm-hmm. He was like really young on that 2020 Red Sox team. Um, yep. But yeah, he will be debuting tonight against uh, one of the unluckiest pitchers in baseball, Eduardo Rodriguez, who just. That's right. Uh, so yeah, expect Wander Franco to have a couple singles at about 65 mile per hour exit velocity and like a 40 degree launch angle with a three <laughs> expected batting average. Uh, because that's what happens to Eduardo Rodriguez. Expect him to hit a pot like a pop up that lands right in that into that corner in left field with a short wall, like yeah. somehow that like it's it's a foot over that wall on like a fly ball. Yeah, it somehow doesn't hit the catwalk, and somehow the the left fielder doesn't catch it. Yeah, yeah. expect one of those. Yeah, expect one of those. Like yeah, gone gone in three out of thirty ballparks, and it was mm-hmm. gone. It was gone there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah. Very, very exciting. He's, yeah, he's 20 now. And uh, maybe maybe he'll join the ranks of, like, these young players taking over baseball. You know, uh, in terms of a big prospect who came up this year, the biggest prospect to come up this year is now back down uh, in in uh, AAA. But I think Franco, with him having a 1091 OPS in his last 17 games, I think, I think, He's not going to have as hard a time adjusting to Major League Baseball. I, think, I would say so as well. I think he's here to stay, and especially with the Rays shortstop situation, I think he's yeah. here to stay. Um, I, mean, I trust, like, the Rays have a, are notorious for, like, really letting their players marinate in the minor leagues. They did it with Brent Honeywell, and I would feel like even if he's 20 years old, they kind of did it with Wander Franco. Like, he very easily could have come up as a teenager, but they decided to wait, wait it out. Um and I think I think they you know they probably picked the right time. I think that's very possible. Um, and you know, once again, like, just don't be surprised if he doesn't have it right away. Like, it's not like look at what happened with Jared Kelnick. He went over thirty nine with yeah. like a million strikeouts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. He could like stuff happens. He yeah, he probably could have come up at like eighteen because. If you're the number one prospect in baseball, you're probably major league ready in yeah. some form or fashion. Maybe not major league star ready, but major league ready in some form or fashion. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it, that was. I remember when uh, Major League Baseball updated their top 100 prospects, and it was an article, and uh, I saw the new list, and I was like, "Who's this Wander Franco guy?" Yep. And uh, tonight, tonight I will find out. I will find out exactly who Wander Franco is. Um, it's exciting. I'm very, I'm very, very excited for this. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Um, <laughs> he's going to make the Rays better, which is unfortunate for us as Red Sox fans. But it's good. It's good. Good for the game. Yeah. Um, what do we want to get into? I so with the White Sox, I, there's 
there's some things they have not particularly like players, but them against certain teams. Like, mm-hmm. there's some fun stats about them because I I bring the White Sox up because they just got swept in four games by the Astros, uh, and like maybe one game was close. Like it, they got it they was got yeah dominated. they got smoked. They got dominated by the Astros. It wasn't like a thing where, you know, they couple bounces here. Maybe they could have split the series. No, this was uh, just a slaughter by the Astros over the White Sox. It was um, a bloodbath. Yeah. Um, over the in the uh, in the month of June, the White Sox as a team who thrive on offense are slashing two thirty six, three ten, three seventy five. Uh, so that would be a six eighty five OPS and a ninety three weighted runs created plus. Um, and their, their, uh, offensive F4 ranks 24th in the majors in the month of June. So that's a problem. Yeah. I think the, the big problem, and you pointed them out, um, talking about like white Sox, could they be frauds? And it made me do some research on like the white Sox and how they do against certain teams. So against the bottom four American League teams, the Orioles, Tigers, Twins, and Rangers, as it stands, they're the bottom four American League teams. Against those four teams, the uh, White Sox are 20 and three. Against everyone else, <laughs> they are 23 and 26. Wow. So there's an element to like, yeah, you, you're beating and the you team. And you can probably even throw the Kansas City Royals in there too. Yeah, I know against the Royals, they're six and three, which brings their winning percentage down. But you could twenty six and six would be the because uh, the Royals yeah the Royals are fifth worst so if you had the Royals it's twenty six and six and then they would be uh, twenty they would be seventeen or no yeah seventeen and twenty three against everyone else yeah that's an issue <laughs> um and there's an element to like good teams beat the teams that they're supposed to beat but. Uh, that's that's too much it's it's like there should be there should be some sort of i don't want to say a happy medium because like yeah it's not a big deal if you're doing notably better like noticeably but better against teams under 500 but like you should still be like you know if you're going to go somewhere in the playoffs you should be able to handle teams that are you know above 500 right and uh against those bottom four al teams they have a team OPS of 860. Against all other teams, they have a team OPS of 677. Yeah. Uh, and this brings us to the top, the other top six teams in the American League. So the White Sox are one of the top seven teams. Against the other top six, uh, which are the Red Sox, Astros, uh, Athletics, who they actually haven't played yet, Rays, Indians, and Yankees. They are nine and sixteen against those teams, uh, and also against those teams, they have a six thirty four team OPS. Against all other teams, they have a seven eighty seven team OPS. So, are we uh, are we looking at like a twenty nineteen to win situation with this team, where you know it doesn't matter how good they are, we know whoever their player is just going to sweep them out of the playoffs in the first round. Um, it, it's an interesting question. I mean. Before the season, I wouldn't have predicted uh, this be a a thing, but I think when I think also the Jimenez and Robert injury well, they died, yeah, have uh, and Nick Magical too 
and mad yeah and mad yeah, i know eloy eloy robert and nick madrigal are all they're all up in heaven now obviously yeah um, so there's not much we can do there yeah their jerseys are are uh hanging in the dugout um yep and yeah that unfortunate situation and yeah their offense is suffering because of that um and i think they would be doing better against these competitive teams if they had full strength do we still do we still stand by Tony Larusa not being the guy? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I there have there hasn't been anything particularly bad in around a month. Um. Well, I mean, like he shouldn't have. We agree. We definitely still yeah. agree he shouldn't have been hired to begin with. But he's not. He hasn't been like an issue of the past month. Yeah. It's, I mean, I guess. I guess if we're talking like this guy hasn't divided the clubhouse in the last month, so I guess he's not doing too bad. Like, yeah, I still think I still think he is not the right guy to lead this team going forward. Yeah, I mean we have pretty especially because like they are in a championship window that goes beyond twenty twenty one right now. It's not like this was an all in year for the White Sox. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, what was I gonna say? Yeah, we we have pretty low standards for the guy. So and he's met those standards the yeah. uh, in the past month. Yeah. Uh, so it. Maybe we we put a bit of an alarm on the White Sox because, you know, we both had pretty high expectations for them, uh, at least in the postseason. But yeah, we both had pretty high expectations for them. But uh, when it comes to competitive teams, they're just not cutting it right now. They're not. Like pretty pretty oddly, and I, I did not expect this whatsoever. Usually. I would expect them to be around 500 against these types of teams, but you know, against these other top six teams in the American league, they're nine and 16, which is abysmal. Uh, that, that really surprised me. Um, and yeah, get, they got swept by Houston. They got swept by the Yankees. And I guess maybe an excuse you could have is both of those series were on the road. So maybe it could change when they're at home. But we won't find out until they go to a guaranteed rate field to face those teams. Exactly. Um, all right. I guess that leaves us. Uh, any any more before we get to uh, players to highlight? Uh, Otani is going to be in the home run derby. Vlad Jr. is not. Oh, right. Yeah. Home run derby news. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shohei Otani announced on Instagram he would be uh, – competing in the home run derby so uh at least we got yeah one of the home run leaders uh competing yeah. I, I i i definitely wish Vlad jr was gonna do it but you know it's his decision and uh he already he already did it so you know it is what it is uh i hope you know there's still a lot of even if Vlad jr is not in it there's still a lot of promise uh you know i want to see juan soto in it i want to see jordan alvarez in it i want to see uh fernando tatis in it i want to see ronald acuna in it like we can still have a really fun derby without vlad jr uh but i guess um, so i guess we'll have to see yeah yeah um yeah shohei otani is it's it's huge to have otani in it because not only does he hit home runs but he hits them far he hits them hard uh yeah. he I, just going from the stat cast angle from it, I'm looking at uh, the like exit velocity and barrel statistics. Shohei Otani at the top of the list in barrels per plate appearance, you know, 15%, uh, 
wild. Of his uh, plate appearances, and this is not per uh, batted ball event, per plate appearances, uh, 14% of plate appearances. Wait, so that's even wilder. 24.7% of batted ball events are barrels. A quarter, a quarter of his batted ball events, uh, batted ball events are barrels, which is, you know, those, these are the, you know, these are usually like 80% extra base hits when it's a barrel. Um, and then behind him, uh, right behind him in barrels per plate appearance are, or actually uh, barrels per, for, uh, Batted ball events is probably better because you know in home run derby there's not going to be like swings and misses. So behind, right behind him is Fernando Tatis Jr. That's the next guy we got to look for. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., Aaron Judge, who is not going to do it. Uh, Rafael Devers is fifth. That would be a cool. That'd guy. be fun. That would be very he, fun. He's not on like the home run leaderboard, but he would well, be he's, fun he's to got, watch. He's got what 18 this year. Devers, uh, does he have 18? I think so. Matt Olson would be another good one, too. Oh, absolutely. He's got uh, 20 this year. Yeah. Uh, In sixth in barrels uh, and barrel percentage for batted ball events is Nelson Cruz. I don't think, have we seen him in a home run derby? I don't think he would do it because I'm sure he's already had the opportunity. But yeah. that would be awesome. Like, imagine like the Tatises and the Shohei Otani's and the and the Devers of the world, and then there's just Nelson Cruz. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's like you got Nelson got Cruz is like Nelson Cruz is literally double Wander Franco's age. He's just in right. There. Yeah. Um, number seven is Brandon Crawford. That's surprising. Uh-huh. Uh, in barrels per batted ball event, uh, Adolis Garcia, Max Muncy, Kyle Schwarber. Um, so yeah, and then exit velocity, I think average exit velocity, who are the leaders? Oh. Judge Guerrero Jr., Machado, Ronald Acuna Jr., Shohei Otani, Matt Olson, Rafael Devers, Paul Goldschmidt, Salvador Perez. But yeah, uh yeah, next on the list that we have to get in there are Fernando Tatis Jr. and probably Ronald Acuna Jr. Yeah. And one I, I it's I mean Jordan Alvarez too. Like throw him in there. Why not? I know yeah, he's not. I know he's not on any of those leaderboards. But like, I mean, who's saying? Like, why would you not want that? Yeah, he's a guy that could. Uh, Devers would be yeah. fun as well. Yep, Devers would be good. It's funny because, like, Tatis and Acuna Jr. would be fun in the Derby, but they're on. Like, there's so much more than their power. <laughs> like, they have so much more to offer still, even. Mm-hmm. And they would still just mash in the home run derby. Uh, yeah. Okay, gotta, this is gotta... this is completely un, under. Uh, this is not. This is unrelated. But this is going back to our previous topic. Uh, when Wander Franco was born, Albert Pujols was a month away from debuting. Right, he was in spring training for that season. Yeah, I know they're. I, they're probably they're not going to play each other this this year, obviously. Uh, and I don't know if they're ever going to play each other, but it'd be very cool to be like. <laughs> to see those guys play each other at some point. At the Albert Pujols is going, maybe he gets a contract next year. I was going to say, he's got a 126 OPS plus with the Dodgers. Like, he's doing very well with the Dodgers. When was the last time he had a 126 OPS through any 26-game span with the Angels? Through any uh, 26-game span? Last time he had it in a season was 2014. 
Yeah. Um, Span-wise, okay. I don't know. But, yeah, yeah, he's got an eight, yeah, 826 OPS, 126 OPS plus with the Dodgers. I don't think I can, I don't think I can look at OPS plus through Span Finder. No, but I get, uh, eight. When was the last time you had a 526 slugging? Yeah. Oh, wow, he's got a pretty interesting slash line. 263, 300, 526, 826, 126 OPS plus. So a lot of 26s and an even number. Yeah. He's a big he's a big Wade Boggs fan. Yeah. Yep. Clearly. <clears throat> um but yeah, uh so yeah, Homer and Derby were waiting on uh waiting on some names, but very happy to have Otani in there. He's gonna hit. He's going to hit some bombs, and I don't know. Maybe in the final round, he should be allowed to pitch to the other. Yeah, guy. that'd be sick. Pitch yeah. to the other contestants, even though people would like, people would cry like he's intentionally not throwing strikes. <laughs> he's like, why, why did he just throw a splitter to Fernando Tatis <laughs> Jr.? Why is he throwing? Why is he on the mound throwing ninety five? What what is going on? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be. Why 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 is it, the time the clock's going? Why is he stepping off the mound going to his hat? <laughs> Wait, is that is that spider tack? <laughs> why do you just throw over to first? <laughs> why, why yeah? <laughs> yeah, that would be great. <clears throat> why is he Why is he asking for a sign? Yeah, he. Come Derby. He's just looking, yeah, because they do have catchers there. Yeah. Yeah. Why would it? Yeah. Why? Why did he just? Why did he just throw an intentional ball? What? Why did he say he's not pitching until he gets Max Stassi behind the plate? Yeah. Yeah. Why did you? Why did you just throw a pitch out? Right. <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah. Why do you? Why do you step off the mound and go like this? Yeah. <laughs> Why, why do you ask for another sign? Yeah, why, why, why is why is there a mound meeting? <laughs> the clock is ticking, Shohei. <laughs> Please, you're screwing over the other contestants. And Fernando Tatis Jr. finishes this round with two home runs. <laughs> yeah. And now the Angels pitching coach will go out to pitch to Shohei Otani in the finals. <laughs> and there are five minutes on the clock. And here we go. And he's after 25 seconds, he has passed Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah. And he's running wow. around the bases. What a what a great Imagine Tatis like hits a ground ball. He's like, wait, why is why is he covering first? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ground ground ball to first base. He's yeah. like, we need a guy there. These shifts. <laughs> I can't stand these shifts. <laughs> he hits a ball like out in the gap. He just starts running behind home plate. Yeah. He's gotta he back just... up the play. All those kids are out there in the outfield. He's like got to throw that ball in get the cutoff we got, man we got 40 kids over there we can't we can't catch a ball <laughs> yeah i mean that's 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 what that's what we could have in store if shohei otani pitches i mean we haven't seen it since babe ruth yeah right we uh we need that to happen but I, one I thing that was, one who thing could forget I, when babe ruth was pitching to mel odd in the in the 1923 home run derby <laughs> when babe, after Babe Ruth hit two home runs in the before getting ten outs, he uh he was pitching to Mel Ott. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, he's 
throwing uh throwing heat to Hornsby. Yeah, by the way, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but like on YouTube, there's like actual home run derby footage between like all like the 1950s guys, like Mantle, like Mays. Yeah. Like, I think Hank, like there's video out there of just like all those guys doing a home run derby, and it's like the most casual thing ever. Like they're just at an empty field. They yeah. have like interviews with the other guy. Yeah, they did a they did like this show kind of thing. And yeah, it was this weird empty baseball field with like brick walls. And they had a commentator and they would interview the he would interview the competitor while the other guy was batting. And I think yeah. had, I forget what yeah, they had like three outs and then they would do like three rounds of three outs, I think. Imagine like oh that's what I wanted them to do during qu- quarantine. Like why not just get a couple guys that have at like a random field and just like throw some BP? Like you just have a bucket of like the pitcher just has a bucket of baseballs. Like, all you need is, like, a pitcher, a hitter, a couple camera guys, like, some tech crew, and, like, wow, like, imagine imagine having that during quarantine. Like, that would have been sick. Yeah, it would have been perfect. Like, imagine just, like, throw that on MLB Network. It's all you need. Yeah, yeah. You don't that would have been a – I mean, it w- That would have been great. Every – all sports outlets, like, that would be the only thing going on if they did that. Exactly. Like, that could – like, you want to grow baseball, like – put Vlad Jr. on a field and like it doesn't they don't even they don't even have to have two people on the same field like there's no like they're not playing for anything like imagine like I don't know you put Vlad Jr. on a random field in the Dominican Republic you put like Fernando Tatis Jr. on a different field somewhere wherever he is yeah and you just you know you, you switch the cameras back and forth like you know, like sure they're different dimensions but like I don't know who cares right right like people people would watch that exactly for sure that would have been great yeah, it would have been perfect. I uh, mean, even then, like, why not? Why not do that during the off season? Yeah, it would. Like, I know that. I know that. Like, I feel like a lot of guys would have fun with that. Imagine getting like Acuna and and Soto and Tatis. Just like, you know, it's it's the middle of December. Let's just go down and do a home run derby. And like, I mean, you could put it on Instagram Live. It doesn't even have to be this televised thing. Right. It would be. Uh, yeah, that would be great. It's, That'd be so much fun to, to watch. You would have to find ways to incentivize them. I guess. Probably a little bit. But like yeah. quarantine would have been. That would have been perfect. The ultimate time to do that. Because like it would be the only thing going on in the sports world if they did it. Before. And they were in spring training. Like they were like, it's not like they were doing like their off season workouts where it's like they weren't, you know, hitting as much. Because some guys, some guys don't actually swing the bat that much in the off season. They focus on like, you know, lifting and doing all this other, like, you know, workouts. And then when they get to spring training, they start swinging. So maybe it's not as good during the offseason, but quarantine, it's like you were just in spring training taking swings, you know, a week ago. Right. Yeah. That would have been perfect. Would have been, yeah. It would have been, you You would have been able to do it on ESPN because what else would they have on? Exactly. Yeah. Like, that. Was, like remember when, um, Remember when like Tom Brady and and Peyton Manning and Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods did that golf thing and like every single person was watching like I don't care about golf and I've kind of my my interest in football has kind of declined over the years but I was watching that because it was the only sporting event it was the first like sporting event since the pandemic started yeah and like the people were so pumped about the NFL draft that year particularly yeah. because nothing was happening yeah like that was when Roger Goodell was just in his house yep yep had the yeah, that was that was weird weird amount of fans 
on Zoom on a Zoom call. It was weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I can't wait to like look back and just look at the like the really small like weird things about 2020 and be like, man, like that was a thing. Right. Yeah. It was especially how how much things changed within like the month of the pandemic happening. Because it was funny, like when we when we moved out of uh, the dorm our the first time, like. Mm-hmm. You didn't there were no no one was wearing masks it was just all about social yep. distancing yeah like it just wasn't a thing and then and then immediately after it was it was pretty much a thing yep but and yeah it, it's funny it's funny to look back at all that um i oh, I, I, I actually i have a snapchat video on my phone where i went to like it was like this was i want to what, what was the date what was the date that this happened um it was March. It was sometime in March of 2020. The actual date was March. Twenty March 26th. So I went to a I went to my local grocery store and one of my friends was working and I took a video of my friend working. Nobody in the video was wearing a mask. And I was like, wow, like this happened. Like the mask thing happened a lot later than I think many people remember. Yeah, it started in like late April, I think. Mm-hmm. Around there. Um, but also, like, not everyone had access to one. Yeah, they were only like because previously they were only used in like hospitals. Exactly. Um, and stuff. Uh, yeah, you just didn't know where to get one. Um, all right. Do we want to get into our uh, players to highlight? Let's do it. All right. So now for our Tuesday, June twenty second, twenty twenty one edition of. So who do you have to highlight for us today? I am looking at uh, a player that's been on a team that's been exceeding expectations all year. And uh, this guy's been a very quiet reason why. Steven Duggar from the San Francisco Giants has been killing it. Over his last 28 games, dating back to May 20th, he is slashing 354, 414, 646 with a 10 of 59 uh, OPS. He also has 188 weighted runs created plus during this time, which is 7th among players with 80-plus plate appearances. There are 195 uh, such players. He is seventh in weighted runs created plus. And he is also the second Giants player in the post-Bonds era with a 1050 OPS, five-plus home runs, and four stolen bases through any 28-game span where they had at least 80 plate appearances. Uh, And he also has a .6 defensive runs above average and a 1.3 BSR which is base running since May 20th. So he's doing virtually everything well. He's playing good defense. He's running the bases well. Obviously, he's hitting well. Uh, And also, over this time, 20 of his 26 hits have had an exit velocity above 84 miles per hour, and they've had a launch angle between 11 degrees and 37 degrees. And the only players who have more hits with those metrics over that time are Ozzie Albies, Fly Jr., and Nick Castellanos. So... Steven Duggar has been one of the better hitters in the league, and he's been up there with some of the bigger names since May 20th. Wow. How about that? Yeah, very, very interesting uh, stat cast data with, with him. Yeah. The, um, the funniest thing was looking at the, at like the, the 1050 OPS with the five home runs and four stolen bases, because I looked at it just all time Giants. And you know how on the span finder it filters by every 100 per, per page? There was like there was like ninety bonds, the uh, bonds spans, in the first one hundred that I looked at, and then there was like a few mazes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, there was some Melky Cabrera's up there. 
Yeah, that's funny. It... Uh, by the way, Randy Wynn was the other Giants player in the post-Bonds era to do all that in a 28-game span. Yep, yep. And now it's Steven Duggar. Yeah, I do forget. Yeah, Bonds, like the first eight years or first like six years of his Giants career, he was like the five, he was like the, the stolen base guy too. Because mm-hmm. yeah, 40, 40 40 season in 1996, I imagine he had some of those spans happen there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's been a. Yeah, so I had to, I had to go post Bonds era, obviously, because. I mean, if I if I look at even just 2007, like, you know, there's gonna be a bunch of Bonds fans in there as well. Yeah, it's it's A B B after Barry Bonds. Yep. Yeah, you have to. Um, all right, I have two. How about that's? I guess oh. both both of them are not that under the radar, but I feel like have to be addressed. Uh, first guy I'm talking about is actually I think we're crossing a team off the list here. Uh, you actually mentioned him talking about home run derby guys, Matt Olson. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been amazing in his last 19 games. He's hitting 425 with a 1271 OPS. In this span, his hard hit rate is 50 percent, and his line drive rate, according to Baseball Savant, is 28.1 percent. And they don't have like a thing where I could find that. I I counted up. And I, I looked up actually, this is an aside, but I looked up the definition of ground balls, line drives, and fly balls and pop-ups. And apparently ground ball is 10 degrees and under, line drive is between 10 and 25, and fly ball is between 25 and 50, and then pop-up is, pop up is 50 up. and up. 50 and up. So I didn't know that before, but I, I looked it up in order to find in order to find that so I could count it up. And uh, since May 31st. Olsen is first in batting average, first in on-base percentage, second in slugging behind Shohei Otani, second in OPS, and first in weighted runs created plus uh, since May 31st. And uh, this is actually an overall transition for for Matt Olsen, you know, not just in his last 19 games. Overall, from 2020 to 2021, his strikeout percentage has gone down, has gone from 31.4% 31.4% to 16.1%. So, you know, maybe one of the worst strikeout percentages in the league to a pretty good strikeout percentage. Also, his whiff rate has gone from 34.8% to 23.3%. His zone contact rate has gone up 10.2 percentage points. And his chase contact rate has gone up 16 percentage points. So he's getting, he's getting contact whether he is swinging in the zone, or even if he's going out of the zone, he's still able to uh, make contact there. So Matt Olson, uh, yeah, Matt Olson getting his well-deserved, uh, yeah, amazing, hitting 425 in his last, uh, in his last 19 games, leading the, leading the athletics offense, even though. It does cross a team on the list, off the list, by the way. We have four teams left that we have not covered yet. Yeah, and we will get to them. We still got a little, plenty of season to go. Yeah, 26 for 30. I mean, like we could maybe – it would be a reach if we did it, but we could do it like before the first half, but I feel like then we would just be reaching for – Unless for, unless there's truly a reason to do it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It has to come naturally. Can't, yeah, well, can't force it. It can't be like – like who's one of the uh, 
It's, it's Mets, Yan- Mets, Yankees, Phillies, and Padres. Yeah, we can't just be like Fernando Tatis Jr. He's doing really well. <laughs> yeah, or like Jeff McNeil has an 860 OPS in his last four yeah. games. He's doing very yeah. well. Yeah, you can't do that either. <laughs> Actually, Jeff McNeil came off the IL yesterday, so yeah, we should monitor that. This guy on the Mets, Jacob Degrom, he's good. <laughs> right. Exactly. We can't be like that. Um, and uh, I have a second how about that, a team we've already done. Uh, a guy who uh, was on the IL for about two weeks and since coming off the IL has just been tearing the cover off the ball. He's just been absolutely amazing. Michael Brantley, since coming off the IL, he is hitting 511 with a 1340 OPS in, uh, I forget how many games. I think it's like, tw- or I think it's 12 games where he's been hit- hitting 511. Uh, in the span also, he is nine for 13 with runners in scoring position. Uh, so when, when guys are on base, he's even better than his baseline. And his hard hit rate uh, since coming off the IL is 63%. Uh, the MLB average is around 35%. He is way above that since coming off the IL. And also since coming off the IL, he is first in average, first in on-base percentage, second in OPS behind uh, Shohei Otani, uh, first in weighted runs created plus, and first in fan graphs, wins above replacement. And a fun, fun little stat here uh, since coming off the injured list, he has over twice as many extra base hits as he does strikeouts. He has nine extra base hits and four strikeouts. So Michael Brantley has wow. just been excellent since coming off the IL and uh, getting a well-deserved. Um, so yeah. why, did, why did it seem like no one really cared about his free agency last offseason? As far as like major league GMs, like there was not really much word on him. And then like the Blue Jays were like rumored to have signed him and then they didn't. And now like then the Astros just did. They were just like, oh, we'll take him actually. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's always just seemed to be pretty valuable. Like not... he's, had a, he's had a 100 OPS plus in every full season he's played in since 2012. Yeah, it's funny how consistent he's been since like 2018. And even before his injury problems started, like, but 2018, 124 OPS plus, 2019, 127, 2020, 127. And uh, this year, this year it's increased by a good amount. Like quite a bit. Yeah, 154 yeah, like, OPS plus this year. Michael Brantley's great. Yeah, he's, uh, he's very, he's very, very good. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just, you know, he's heading he was heading into his age 34 season, so he wasn't getting as much clout. Uh if you could say that. Uh yeah, and yep. he, he got the ended up getting the exact same contract he signed 2 years earlier, which is funny. Um All right. So, uh now we go from the highs to the lows. Going to talk about some uh players or subjects that have been underperforming so now for our june 22nd 2021 edition of slightly alarming uh we before the show we suspected we might have the same player for the first time all season which uh we know we know we both have the same team we we know we both have the same team so who do you have to highlight for bad reasons today Uh, i uh i don't know if you have this guy i went back to an old well 
I don't think, yeah, I don't think we have the same guy. All right. Uh, you know, Chris and I, we love talking about this guy. He's been doing very well all year, but uh, in June, June has not been his month. I'm talking about Dylan Cease. Oh, uh, yeah, we don't have the same guy. We don't have the same guy, yeah. In the month of June, Dylan Cease has a 6.75 ERA, and he's given up the sixth most barrels in all of baseball uh, during the month. Uh, opponents have a 7.756 OPS against him. And uh, even worse, you know, he's been, you know, the strikeouts and walks have been much better in the past, even in June. But uh, the big issue is that his 28.6% ground ball rate in the month of June is the worst in the majors among qualifiers. Uh, so, you know, if you're, you know, you can strike out and walk, you know, as many people as you want, and that's great. Uh, but, you know, if you're not getting ground balls, you're probably not going to have a good time. And that's what's been going on with Dylan Cease. He's been struggling in a different way than usual. Yeah, yeah. A new problem has uh, has occurred. Um, just the month of June, right, where yep. he's been struggling. Because he yeah. got lit up on June 1st by the Indians. Yeah, I remember his, like, I think that was one of the, like, matchups to look at. It was Cease versus, um, I forget who, uh, not... Uh, I think it might have been Cease versus Bieber, and it just yeah. it, it ended up being like a high-scoring game for some reason. Uh, it was weird, but yeah, I I wonder like what his line drive percentage is <laughs> since uh, since June started. I'm looking at like launch angles right now, so he's given up uh, 57 batted ball events. So that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, uh, 17 line drives in 57 uh, batted ball events. I'd say 29.8% rate. And the average is average line drive percentage is around 25%. So, uh, above, yeah, above average, he's been given up giving up some line drives, some, some fly balls, some home runs also. Yep. Uh, oh, forgot the sound, forgot the sound drop and I just closed out the phone. So. Oh no. The best. But yeah, Dylan cease. Uh, so far in the month of June looking slightly alarming. Uh, my white socks, slightly alarming guy is uh, a guy who won MVP last year has not been the same uh, overall. Who could, but who could it possibly be? Especially in the last 19 games. Uh, it's the guy, the guy who won MVP, uh, this particular MVP, this particular 2020 AL MVP is actually Jose Abreu. Was it, oh, was it the guy who uh, had like a 1500 OPS in the Cuban league? Uh, yes. Oh, yes, man. he did. And he finished fourth in the MVP vote his rookie year. Uh, but <laughs> in his last 19 games, Jose Abreu is hitting 187 with a 518 OPS. Uh, his on-base percentage in this time span ranks 169th out of 174 qualifiers. And his OPS ranks 165th out of 174 qualifiers in the span. Uh, also in the span... His ground ball rate, according to Baseball Savant, is 54.2%, which is uh, like 10% above average. And the percentage of batted balls, 
with a negative launch angle in this span is 42.3%, uh, which is a pretty large percentage. And this has been an overall trend as his ground ball rate is a career high uh, in 2021 overall. And, you know, the this is the seventh year of the StatCast era, which he's been a part of the entire time. His ground ball rate is a career high and his line drive rate is a career low by 8.7 percentage points. So uh, maybe the, uh, I don't know, maybe the decline for <coughs> Jose Abreu is kind of arriving. You know, he's he's still been an above average hitter overall this year. His, his OPS plus and weighted runs created plus are both above uh, 100, but slumping right now and ground, he seems to be grounding the ball uh, more than more than he'd like to and not getting as much line drives as he would uh, as he would like to so Jose Abreu slightly alarming uh, yeah real real bad episode for the White Sox <clears throat> yeah <laughs> we we talked about how bad they were against good teams and, uh, pointed and two out, slightly alarmings yeah it would have been better if we had the same slightly alarming at least we wouldn't be that's uh, that do you think that day is ever going to come the time that we highlight there, whether it's on have slightly alarming because it has not happened yet. We got a, we got a same uh, question for each other in the in the season previews before we got a same how about that or slightly alarming. Yeah, because um, and it was like word for word the same question. It wasn't like same idea. Yeah, right. Um, I, I know last year, which was a sixty game season, I think we got the same player once or twice. I remember particularly we both did. Did we? We both did a J.D. Martinez slightly alarming. Uh, I remember one time particularly, but oh, okay. But this season, which has been more than sixty games for everybody, uh, we have not done it yet. So. I'll have to go back and look at that. I guess. Yeah, it was around probably like September, probably. Yeah, I I remember it happened. I think it was a Zoom a Zoom show from our dorms. <clears throat> okay. From our dorm rooms. But, I will uh, have to go back and look at that. I think so. Yeah, uh, I can't pinpoint the episode, but I'm pretty sure it happened. Uh, anyway, on to uh, or I guess, I guess we can still preview the week ahead, even though it's Tuesday, because yeah, uh, not. Also, there there weren't many there weren't many games on Monday except for, I guess there was a double Dodgers Padres basically. Yeah. And yeah, DeGrom, Dodgers, Padres, and the Diamondbacks won a game. Yep. Yeah, that was that was a big deal. And the and the twins had a walk-off home run. Yeah, in a And the Astros, the Astros almost threw a combined no-hitter. Correct. Yeah, there was a 12-inning yeah. game. Thank God. Thank God it ended in 12 innings. You know, if if another if a 19-inning game happened, I would have just stopped watching baseball because I I can't stand that when that happens. Yeah, you know, no, it's the worst. You know, three or four times. To be fair, I mean, like, if it ends in a walk-off home run, like, the extra inning rule wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, I hate that people pointed that it's out. Like, it's not I, like it just ended on a random base hit that, you know, that wouldn't have scored a run that otherwise wasn't there. I'm just saying I, I hate the three to four times an 18-inning game happens Every year. Uh, year in 2000 everyone just starts going crazy yeah in 2430 mlb games when like the three times is an 18 in a game just yep. can't i just can't stand it i tell especially, you especially especially when it happens in the world series 
<laughs> yeah. Except that game was actually a nightmare because my team was in it. And you had an ACT. Yeah, I had I had way more fun watching the Giants Nationals 18 inning game from 2014 than I did the Red Sox Dodgers game from 2018. Right. And that has nothing to do with the outcome of the game. I was just miserable the entire time. Yeah, and it was just a like it was torture when they took the lead and then gave it up. It's not like it was tied the whole time, which is more frustrating. Um, but yeah, series wise, I mean, only thing to really pay attention to is. Uh, Dodgers Padres 24 so uh yeah in 2014 I was just like I was just like man this Yusmero Petit guy is awesome uh (laughs) yeah I mean he's he's still pretty good Uh, like he threw seven shutout innings in relief or something like that yeah he was the original Evaldi um Mm -hmm. except he actually won the game yeah, series-wise, uh, you got, yeah, Padres, Dodgers. Last night was Darvish, Arias, right? Yeah. Uh, tonight you have uh, two Cy Young, two former Cy Youngs going at it, but going completely different trends. You have uh, Blake Snell versus Clayton Kershaw. Uh, Shout out to me for being ahead of the curve on Blake Snell. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> a war- yeah, gave, a- gave everybody a warning sign, and uh, now he has a 5.72 ERA. Wednesday night, what do we got? Uh, we got a pretty good matchup you'll probably get into. And Thursday, yeah, Dodgers are facing the Cubs on Thursday. So I love, I love when you just save the good matchups for me. Day-by-day, uh, day-by-day day, day matchup, what do you got? Uh, so, obviously, today, you know, you got Wander Franco's debut that we got into. You know, there's no doubt you got to look at that. Yes. Uh, you have Zach Wheeler going tonight. You have Lucas Giolito going tonight. Uh, probably the best matchup, I'd say, is Charlie Morton versus Marcus Stroman. Uh, over his last six starts, Charlie Morton has a 2.86 ERA. Uh, so that is pretty excellent. He also has 38 strikeouts in 34 and two-thirds innings pitched. You have Sandy Alcantara going tonight. Uh, you have Garrett Cole going tonight, of course. Wade, a lot of good pitchers tonight. Anthony Discalfani versus Andrew Heaney. That's a good matchup. Freddie Peralta versus Zach Gallen. And then Clayton Kershaw, obviously. Um and then on Wednesday, uh, you have Brandon Woodruff versus Caleb Smith. That's a good matchup. The best matchup of the day, without a doubt, is Kevin Gosman versus Shohei Otani. Oh, uh, wow. And then you also have Trevor Bauer versus Joe Musgrove, which is a good matchup. You have Trevor Rogers going for the Marlins. He's got a 1.87 ERA, by the way. Um, you have James Caprillion going for the A's. Uh, Max Fried has picked up the pace a little bit. He'll be going for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, and that's about it, I'd say, on that day. And then on Thursday, not a lot has been announced, but I'd say the best matchup is Chris Bassett versus Colby Allard. Uh, Chris Bassett has obviously been very good for the A's. Colby Allard has made four starts for the Texas Rangers after his first 10 appearances were as a reliever. And in his starts, he has a 270 ERA. Okay. Yeah, nice. Yeah. He's got 20 strikeouts and 20 innings pitched and four walks. So you know, he's been, you know, the peripherals aren't too bad either. Yeah, and he beat he beat the Dodgers, I remember. But he does, but he does have three home runs allowed, which is not great. But yeah, you know, it's it's gonna happen. But uh, he's got a two nine three ERA on the season, and yeah. Uh, yeah, that's about it. That's uh Colby Allard, right? Yeah, Colby Allard. He was in the Chris Martin trade, and I did not understand why the Braves gave up on him so easily. Oh yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well. We hope you enjoyed this one. This was a longer one for our, This was our... a very tangent-based show. It was fun, though. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Um, 
we hope you enjoyed this one. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Uh, also, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta and follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Kern and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the uh, all the show needs. And we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you on Thursday where should we should we record Friday? Uh, Let's record Friday since we did Tuesday and then we'll just go back to Monday, Thursday next week. Yeah, we all right. We, we, yeah. Because I, I just I just previewed the day on Thursday anyway. Okay, we hope to see you on Friday, where we will be talking all the happenings and previewing, previewing the weekend of baseball ahead. Uh, we will see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over. <laughs>